The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi there. Hello. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. And I am very happy to welcome you to the Visual Workplace this week. I'm your host on our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system, that's our intelligence, into the physical landscape of work through visual devices, through visual systems. Why? So that we can work well, do the right thing, do it on time, do it with high quality, and we know what that quality is. We have the specifications. Pardon me. I'm breathless. We have the specifications. We work precisely. We work safely. We work at pace. And our company makes a great profit margin. Profit margin, increasingly so. And we enjoy ourselves along the way. The visual workplace, a system of language, a system of systems, a system of logic that is embedded. Not just point solutions, but a language of information sharing, a system of information sharing that spans the entire physical landscape of work, the entire organization. And then when you get good at it, you can help your supply chain and they'll get good at it too. And you'll have this conversation that's called work. And you'll be aligned through visuality. It is the sense. It is the meaning. It is the conveyance of relevant, timely information, information that influences and shapes and directs and limits and expresses. It is a logic of performance. We let the workplace speak. Hmm. So welcome. Welcome. Today we're going to move into the second part of my confessions. <laughs> my confessions as a visual sight assessor. Yes, there is a second part. And I decided to launch into it because of your emails. I want to thank you very, very much for sending emails in response to a show, our show just two weeks ago on um, confessions of a visual sight assessor. I didn't know it at the time, but part one. So you all said you liked the show. I'm very glad. And several of you asked me to, to go further. And that's just what I'm going to do today. You asked me to describe what happens after the walkabout. What happens, what do you have to do to actually come up with a plan, an implementation plan based on what you see and what you don't see? Hmm? 
So I, I agree. I think that would be great. And I'm so glad you noticed. I'm so glad you noticed that there is a next step that that needs to be digested and turned into something that can be useful. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you, Marianne from Idaho and Harry from the UK and Gary and Boone from, of all places, Hoboken, for heaven's sakes, all of that water and you still emailed. Thank you so much, Gary and Boone. You have a special place in my heart. And Ben and Harry again, another Harry, and Bob, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Geraldine. So in the first part, the show that we had a couple of weeks ago, I mapped out my walkabout approach. And I just want to, you remember it. I'll just kind of skim it now so that you're remembering you get into groups of not more than three, or you can do it solo, even better. You have a little po- pocket-side memo pad and a pen. You begin to walk about, and you don't ask any questions. You don't ask any questions you, on the outside. On the inside, you say to yourself, to what extent can I tell merely by looking? And what can I tell merely by looking? And to what extent can I tell the difference merely by looking? And what difference can I tell merely by looking? And I suggested that you start with a scan that's what I call a 180. You look from left to right, very slowly from right to left. When you're standing at the threshold of the floor, when you're standing at the threshold of um, the, the patient floor, it doesn't have to be an operational floor, or when you're standing at the threshold of your open pit mine, you stand there, you do a 180, and you ask that, these two prime principles of visuality. You ask them repeatedly. You make notes in your memo pad. To what extent can I tell merely by looking and can I tell the difference merely by looking? And then, and what you also do, the next cut on this is, what am I seeing? What does it mean? What am I seeing? What does it mean? And what am I not seeing? What does it mean? Remember that? What am I not seeing? What does it mean? And you do this in silence. It's so important to be silent because you want to have another level of your brain kick in. You want there to be impressions, a deeper level of knowing. And that's available to you, but the silence needs to be there. Otherwise, the uh, other linear parts of your brain starts kicking in and you start asking linear questions. What am I seeing? What does it mean? What am I not seeing? What does it mean? Okay. You begin to acquire a facility to see what's not there. Oh, very, very paranormal, isn't it? (laughs) And so based on what you see and what you don't see and what you think it means, you come up with findings. You come up with findings. You conclude something. And that's where we want to pick up. We want to pick up on what do you conclude or how do you conclude it? How do you surmise that visuality will help and which visuality which category of visual function I'm sure you're familiar with that language by now what do you need to think about what do you do after you've sussed out the visual work environment through your walkabout how do you decide where to begin and with what do you deploy a conversion sequence using for example my model of the 10 doorways, or do you launch a project-based deployment where it's much more contained? You're not applying methodology. You're applying principles in a very constrained area. I'm going to be talking about these things today. 
okay? How do you decide to begin? How do, how do you decide where to begin and, and to begin with what? I also want to discuss with you ways to open up your sight and open up your senses to information sharing and deficits so that you start building that facility, that skill, and you get good at it because that's going to be very, very important. Of course, my assumption is you're interested in being able to see clearly. You're interested in being able to assess a plant or even assess a work area. Because I will tell you, and here's a little baby rant of mine, I will tell you that for far too long, people have uh, have had a hammer in their hand and they've been looking for a nail. They have a list of uh, things that ought to happen and they go about looking for it. They have a predetermined response. We all know that your first thing you're going to do on the operations level is you're going to do 5S because you can't become visual when the place is cluttered. But you do your 5S in the service of becoming visual. So that is a kind of cookie-cutter response. But you you absolutely have to um, get away from this idea of finding a nail because you got a hammer in the hand, in your hand having a method, and then looking for a reason to use it. You have to get smart about your assessment. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. All of those things. I hope you find the show really, really useful. I have been thinking about it now for about a week. So when we move into the next, what does this mean? We have to look at other factors in the environment. And we have to give those factors a weight. I call that giving it a valence, a plus, a minus, a plus five, a minus five. We have to measure its current effectiveness or its current lack in the environment and what, whether or not that lack has an impact on the bottom line or some kind of, uh, or one of the other's tactical or strategic objectives of your company, whether or not it has an impact on your business model. So we look at things like organizational readiness, improvement flexibility, improvement history. What has the journey been? What is the training approach? Do you do representative training or do you do, uh, do you train everyone? What's your story there? And do you just do OJT or have you really engaged in improvement training? To what extent is there an improvement infrastructure in place? The infrastructure that we've spent So many shows talking about, do you have an accountable team? And are they very savvy? Are they barracudas? Are they always hungry for lunch? You also look at the nature and the engagement level of your union, if there is one, and your reliance on rapid improvement events, the role of supervisors, the care and training of supervisors, And if it's a manufacturing site as opposed to a bank or hospital, how is material handled? Is there a fixed and firm production schedule? That's a good one. And how are changeovers done? And are they done visually? And are they consistently done and tracked? This is a really good barometer. Lots and lots and lots of companies go after changeovers as well. You should, especially if you're machine-based. But do they track it each time and continually track that as though it is a quality metric because it is and how is the quality function addressed 
How are metric shoes? Do they monitor or do they drive? Big, this is so revelatory. You see that, you know everything. You know how metrics are used. Are they plastered? Do you just have dashboards? Or are they, are they actual, um, uh, doorways into problem solving? Does the plant have, oh, we're getting down to it now. Does the plant have a production system? That is the sum and substance of what we were talking about now. Does the plant have a discernible production system? If, if it does, it's going to, it's, it's amongst the few companies that do. Does it have a official and defined production system? And if it does, does it also have an improvement system? Few of, few companies have this as well. A system of improvement, a model for improvement, a framework for improvement that will be part of the infrastructure. These are all very telling. And that's what you also have to take into consideration after you understand the level of visuality that you discover on the shop floor through your walkabout or in the hospital or in the bank. It's all there. You have to see what's there. You have to see what's not there. You have to take these other factors into consideration. And then you have to, then you have to say, so what? So what? What does this mean? <laughs> so what? What the heck? What does this all mean? You have to know how to respond to that question, the so what. Okay? You have to know. You have to have a model. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to walk through the model. You already know it. It's the ten doorways. But I want you to think of it now as a model rather than a way for assessing opportunities for visuality. So I'll see you in just a moment. We're sliding into a break. Oh, there we go. See you in a minute. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi again. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. Welcome to the second part of our show. And we are today discussing what do you do after you know how strong or how not strong your visuality is on your shop floor or in your workplace, in your work environment. What do you do next? How do you actually think through what your options are for next steps? What is the logic, your logic for planning? Okay. The end the end of this, by the end of the show, I will not give you the framework for a plan, but I am giving you the logic for planning, for thinking. How do I utilize this information? And what I use, it, what I map to is the 10 doorway models that we've been discussing from last November 2011 through April 2012. We talked about the, the doorways. I didn't get through all of them. But I touched, I didn't get through all of them thoroughly, but I touched on all of them. They are categories of visual function, and they belong to discrete or select or specific groups, organizational groups. So I'm just going to scan them now. And by the way, you uh, email us at radio at visualworkplace.com, and we will send you this instrument. It's a one-pager. Actually, we'll give you two pages. We'll give you a model that kind of tells you what the visual equivalents are of these words that I'm going to go through the 10 doorways. So just email us at radio at visualworkplace.com and it's yours. So here are the categories of visual function. And remember, we want visuality to function. We're not just pasting on devices. We want those devices to really influence, change, direct, limit performance. We want them to function. Doorway number one belongs to operator's value-add level, visual order, visual inventiveness, what also operator-led visuality, the book, my book called Work That Makes Sense. That whole thing is doorway number one. Doorway number two, visual standards. These are owned by engineers and supervisors and managers because they're responsible for publishing accurate, complete, and timely standards. Many, many people can participate, but if that function is missing, it goes to engineers, supervisors, and managers to publish those. Publish those standards, make them visual. Doorway number three, visual displays for supervisors, specifically for supervisors to identify and format their dilemma. This is not the same as a dashboard. This is helping the supervisors. I hope you understand this. I-driven supervisors' dilemma, their pain. Their complaints, the things that's not working. It's not a report about scheduling. Doorway number four, owned by the executive. But many supervisors and managements, all those lieutenants, participate in visual leadership. Doorway number four, these are metrics that drive visual problem solving and the deployment of policy, sometimes called Hoshin, sometimes Hoshin Conry. That's doorway number four. Doorway number five, visual controls, putting limits in place on materiel and visual pull systems, Kanban. Many, many different forms of Kanban, believe me, not, not necessarily a ticket system. Doorway number six 
is about quality. It's your Polky Oak doorway, visual guarantees, mastering cause on the attribute level. It should be owned by your quality staff and engineers. They should be training it, but operators participate in it tremendously. Doorway number, and those are the six methodologies of visuality, and then we apply it to the machine, a new setting, a new venue, the visual machine. Doorway number seven. Doorway number eight, the visual lean office. We apply visuality to the lean, to the office, and we apply applications of lean. Doorway number nine, your visual macro team. We're going to be talking about them quite a bit towards the end of the show. They are looking for visual linkages, for the linkages between function, between departments, between areas, and even between plants. That gets amplified to the nth degree in doorway number 10 in what I call my exam awards process, and it's a way of sewing plants together through visual principles, really creating those strong linkages. So if you want that assessment tool, uh, email us. And that's what I use for my thinking because I need to make sense out of what I see is there and what I see is not there. I need to give it a, a valence. Okay? So, does the site have a production system? If it does, how effective is it? How closely is it used? Does it have a production improvement system? That's the structure I mentioned a moment ago. I actually call it, this is doorway number um, number four, the executive doorway, the business systems improvement template. I talked about that in my show of March the 20th. Is that system vibrant? Is it led by Barracuda leader? Is it led by a Barracuda team? You remember, the Barracuda is just always hungry for lunch. But they're very nice on the outside. They're very nice people on the outside. And on the inside, they're a riot of hunger. They're hungry for their next improvement. So some companies have some some of these factors that are in play, the metrics, the uh, supervisor's dilemma, but some of them have many of them in play. And that's what's confusing because there are so many competing priorities. It's hard to decide where to begin. If you don't diagnose your site correctly, you can't expect to improve it. And if you don't diagnose it correctly, you're likely to just patch something in place. The hammer. Let's go find a nail. So just as you don't want cookie-cutter visual devices, you don't want cookie-cutter responses to your implementation opportunities. You want a useful response, a response that will further your operations and that will impact the bottom line and that will strengthen the work culture. And like I say, people aren't used to that. That's partly marketing. The people who are doing a lot of good work also market their good work, and you sometimes make the mistake of thinking because they say it's good doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be good for you. <laughs> right? Is it good for me? Is it going to help my company? So you got to get smart about your assessment. You do your walkabout. That gives you the evidence of what's there, what's not there. But in the end, all that tells you is that is where the site needs more, but more what? It does not help you help your company. If you use only the evidence of the weakness of what's not there and that the plant is weak, you'll simply start bludgeoning your plant into remorse, humiliation, and you know what will happen next? People will get angry at you. They'll stop listening. 
because you won't help them get to strength. So you have to think more progressively. You have to have a process by which you can help a plant, really any plant, any workplace, move forward. You need your own bend on this. You need a model. And like I say, I use my 10-doorway model continuously during the assessment and during the planning because it's clear and it also helps uh, helps me think through functionality. A proven template. That's what we mean by a model. A predetermined, proven template. It's been tested and proven itself of what good means and of both what the outcome is and the process for getting there. Okay? And I'll tell you, this gets us very close. This is just a footnote. I don't want to follow this too much. Very, very close close to the point of talking about the house. Remember the house? With the pillars, the house of Toyota, right? So I like those houses, and when an executive works with me, they build a house, but they build a house from scratch, and that may be your template. But you got to fit in visuality into the improvement progress of your plant, of your site, of your facility, but also the business model. It has to have business impact. You can make a case for empowerment, powerful business impact, but you need to make that case. You need a reliable way to pinpoint the opportunities, in this case for increased visuality. Okay? So I use the 10 doorways to help me see where visual is supporting specific organizational outcomes And I understand that where it is absent, the function is either dysfunctional or it is very, very weak. Okay? So, that's the model part. And I want to say something else to bring this home a little further. There's an awful lot of discussion nowadays about sustainability. And we're not talking about going green. We're talking about sustaining the outcomes that come from all of this huge investment in improvement. Companies want assurance. They want sustainability. Companies want assurance that when they invest the time, the money, the loss production to implement an improvement method, whatever it is, SMED, TPM, SPC, dashboards, production scheduling, displays, 5S, whatever, that it will stick that it won't evaporate just because some manager isn't watchdogging it. But I look at sustainability differently. For me, after my long 30 years doing this work, I believe and I have con- I am convinced that sustainability derives from how you implement. Not what you implement, but how you implement. If you implement for the long term, then in my experience, you get long term, a long run from your investment. If you implement for the short term or without a focus on the critical importance of long term, which is the same thing, then your results won't last. And that's one of the reasons why I love visuality, because the last step in every problem-solving process and every project is to anchor the outcomes through visuality. That 
That's long-term. When you anchor through visuality, you have built-in sustainability. That is part of your implementation process. The final step, it's missing from everything. It's missing from 8D. It's missing from DMAIC. It's missing from everything. The final step in every project-based improvement or problem-solving approach is now make those solutions visual. Embed those solutions. Embed those behaviors. And that's where you have to start building that facility. And I'm going to be talking about that and also um, a kind of a template of thinking when we come back from this next break. You, you really have to build a facility and being able to see what are the visual opportunities, the embedding opportunities that result from all of that investment that you've made. When you don't do that, it evaporates. Visual, lean without visual is lean that evaporates. Okay. Talk to you in a minute. I'll be here. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hello and welcome back. This is Gwendolyn, and I'm welcoming you back to the third segment of our show today on the Visual Workplace, and we are looking at the steps after walking about and seeing how good or how not so good your um, plant is, your site is, your facility is. To what extent is visuality a part of the practical performance 
operational system of your company. Okay, so you do your walkabout. What am I seeing? What does it mean? What am I seeing? What does it mean? What don't I see? What does it mean? And we're talking today about what do you do next? Okay, how do you take that, those impressions, and turn it into a plan? So I spoke before the break about the importance of having a model, of having a template, a proven template, predetermined, preset, for you to map against so that you can have a sense of what the outcome should be or could be. And I use my 10 doorway model. It's explained at good length in my, in the book, in my book with the blue neutron on the cover, Visual Workplace Visual Thinking. That, that book is an introduction to the 10 doorways. They're mentioned in the, my latest book, Work That Makes Sense on the Operator Level. But the 10 doorways are really for assessing a plan and making executive decisions about where to go next and why. So. Uh, let me just uh, think this through. So I'm, so you're walking about and you have this model in mind or whatever model you use. I haven't found one that's as good as the one that I use, otherwise I'd be using it. So I'm going to talk about the 10 model, the 10 doorways. And I am thinking about if I were going to organize a conversion sequence, what would it look like? A rollout is another word for it. An initiative is another word for it. A visual conversion sequence is right now my favorite word for it because it talks about that we're going to have a transformation, but it's going to be orderly and the order matters. And that's something that um, I really wish you'd make a note of. The order matters. The order matters. And the other thing that you need to bear in mind is that great executive rubric, that motto, which is saying yes to the few and wait to the many. So you're going to have to make choices. You have limited resources. You're going, you will be, you will say yes to the few. It could be one, it could be two, but it's going to be few and the rest will have to wait. You have limited resources. They have to be deployed carefully. So where am I going to begin? Where would I begin in this plant? Which category of visual function? Where would visuality help this company the most? And by the most, I mean based on its business plan, business model, business objectives, market threats, where would visuality help this company? What would be next? When? Who would be involved? And after that's in place, what would the next be and the next? So, I want to come to another topic on the basis of that. The feeling that you should have at this point in your, in your own assessment process is similar to that of an impresario, the conductor of an imagined but superb orchestra. Imagined because it hasn't happened yet. Superb because you know what that sounds like. You must see the outcome as that conductor. You must hear the music played exquisitely, even if not in reality. Exquisitely in your imagination. Even if in reality the orchestra is still at this stage a bit scruffy or even even hopelessly confused. Because your 
workplace might be a bit scruffy or it may be hopelessly confused. But it's still going to be your job, because like my job, to figure out what to do next and what not to do next. It's my job, it's your job to see the horizon. That's why we pay you the big bucks. Because you can see. Because you can see. And you have to see the possibilities and you have to hold on to them tight. Because you're the one we are depending on to design the pathway from where things are now to where they need to go. And in my book, that's a fully functioning visual workplace. Or at least to bring us to a stage that is sufficiently robust, sufficiently powerful and effective to make a sizable and trackable contribution to the bottom line. It takes a firm hand, and it takes a bright imagination. And this is a deficit that most people have that I don't have because I've had 30 years of seeing what's not there and of working with company companies to put something there, to put a there there, in the, in the reverse words of the great Gertrude Stein, to put a there there. It takes a firm hand and a bright imagination. You have to conceive of it on the inside if you're going to lead it, lead it on the outside. You have to conceive of it. It has to be bright in your imagination. And most people have not acquired the skill of imagining visuality in the work environment. And I want to give you some ways to build that skill. And and in building that skill, what you will become immune to is picking up the hammer and looking for nails, picking up the little package of improvement that well-meaning people are bringing to your attention. And you will say, hold on, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't need that box of cereal. I need something else. Okay. It's not that those techniques aren't good, but you, but unless you know you need them and your assessment is what tells you, it could just consume resources and create some disappointment. It didn't work or it didn't stick. So to acquire this skill, if you don't have the skill of imagining visuality an environment in an environment that does not yet have it, One of the ways to begin that is simply to notice the visual world that exists already around you. Notice the roadways. Notice the airports. Notice the way information is shared in those very complex, very diverse environments. Diverse meaning there's a lot of humanity in there. Notice McDonald's in front of the counter and behind the counter. Notice Disneyland, Disney World, all of those theme parks. Because you know what's beautiful about those theme parks? You go home happy and your pockets are empty. The business model has been met and the customer service model has been met. And you have to see how that functions in detail because of visuality. Because I guarantee you, if you have had a positive experience at a football game, it's because you have not even noticed how you got there and not even noticed how you got home except for the terrible traffic jam because visuality has been helping you along the way. So start noticing that. Start noticing that and start taking photos. We've got digital cameras now. I used to spend like five or $6,000 a year before digital came along, getting two pictures of everything. I'm going through these boxes now. What a nightmare 
two slides of everything, two photos of everything, two negatives of everything, and now it's all digital. I bring home like five or six hundred pictures every time I go on a on an assignment, and you know what? It just takes up cyberspace. My gigabytes, my terabytes. Harold by Harold Hope, who is a fantastic web guru. He's just I think he's on a scale of one to ten, he's like twenty-five. TechSolutions.com, I think, is he can do everything. He's one of the contributors to Lennox. At any rate, he got me a terabyte. Oh my God. <laughs> Harold Hope. He lives in San Francisco. You can find him. Brilliant, brilliant man. Doesn't have much of a personality. <laughs> I love you, Harold. Doesn't have much of a personality, but I'll tell you, he is he is just a genius when it comes to computers and computer systems and all of that stuff. I was very lucky. Take pictures. Take a lot of pictures of everything. And here's something else. Just the way you notice what wasn't there in your plant. What is? What am I seeing? What does it mean? What am I not seeing? What does it mean? Do the same thing in your world, in the community. You'll know that there's missing information when you ask that question. When you're in an airport and you have to ask a question, you know there's missing information. Okay? Notice this and take pictures of that. Notice when you can't find a street or when, as there is in the New York area, a stop sign and there really should be one because the city fathers are, have, re, have a reduced budget and so they don't put stop signs on all cross streets. Wham! I notice this all the time. And you know what I need to learn now? I now need to learn how to not flip out because of it. Mm? I have such super hypersensitivity, hypervigilance about missing information that when it is missing, I want to give somebody a lecture on visuality. Don't you understand the implications of this? Don't you know what you're doing to my psyche and the other people's psyche? Don't you know how we become constrained and we become fearful? Now, I'm going to tell you, I think I have enough time to tell you this story. But this is a personal story about what happens when missing information, uh, when information, vital information is missing. So I was... I was uh, rushing back to the St. Louis airport to return a car to finally get home after a week with a client. I usually only stay two or three days at the most, but this was an arduous week. And I had picked up the car on the airport property, property and I just assumed that I would return it there. But no, I got there in plenty of time, and they said, no, no, you have to go here, 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 here. To return it. And I thought, okay, I think I understand. And I started to find my way through their directions. And it was getting dark. And I couldn't find the place. I couldn't find the place. And I was getting more and more desperate because I wanted to go home. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. And finally, finally, my headlights caught. It was for National Rent-A-Car. They've gotten better since then. I saw a little sign that was sitting on the ground next to a fence, leaning up against the fence. And I just, that, I just lost it, as they say. I lost it. So I drove in and I said, how can you expect anybody to find this sign? And then I just started to cry. 
I mean, really sob. And they looked at me like I had three heads and they thought, okay, we're going to help you, lady. We're going to help you get on this plane. And they kind of bundled me into the car, into a, a car, and they drove me to the airport and they, they, you know, made sure, hey, take care of her. She's a little fragile right now. And I couldn't stop crying. It was the strangest thing because the rental, and it wasn't anger. And I realized that what I was crying about, sobbing really, was for humanity. The suffering that humanity has to go through <laughs> because of the lack of visuality. <laughs> Am I a Johnny One Note or what? <laughs> cry, cry, cry. I cried all the way on until I got to the plane. I actually saw my client in the airport. I couldn't even talk to him. That was the one moment, though, one moment. I've stabilized since then. But you look for what's there. You look for what's not there in your own world, and your eyesight will start improving. And you'll be able to bring that into your company. The same instructions we give to beginning writers and poets. Read everything and make sure you read great writers. So if the outcome doesn't exist in your mind, this is a way to grow that facility. This is the way to grow it. And you're still going to have to deal with that executive who has an agenda of his or her own, uh, you know, something that doesn't match. They'll want to have operator-led visuality when, in fact, what you have to do is take care of your poor supervisors. Now, I will tell you that most of the time we begin on the operator level because that most of the time is where an organization has screaming deficits. What I say is they're crippled. They're crippled because the power hasn't been distributed. This is something that I'm going to be discussing in next week's show, leadership and the power inversion. So the power needs to be redistributed, the power that's held by senior managers, managers so that it penetrates, it, uh, it, it, it begins to saturate the value-add level as well. Otherwise, the enterprise is hobbled. It can't grow. It has no flexibility. It's not, it's not smart enough. So that's often where we go. But in some organizations, you begin with the supervisors because in the same organization, the supervisors may be harried, shaky, embattled, and they need help. And you give them a visual display that allows the supervisor to identify and format their dilemma. And when you do displays right, they begin to talk to each other. And you, be, and you begin to understand the health or the illness of your production system. I've seen this. It's so fabulous when these displays, I mean, I've seen it, I've organized for it, but sometimes it takes a while for these displays to be talking with each other. Or sometimes you begin with pokey oak because the organization is hemorrhaging due to quality problems. Even if you've got Six Sigma, pokey oak was, is such an incredible addition because it is, it, it is constructed around a completely different paradigm. And Six Sigma people will see it and they'll see the impact of zero quality control when they're trying to trend out everything. Okay? So, we'll come, I'll conclude this when we come back from our last, from our final break, which needs to happen about right now, and uh, talk to you about project-based visuality in case you're not going to use the 10 doorways because the organization isn't ready for that kind of systematic methodology, the kind of conversion. We'll talk about project base, which will help some of you. See you in a minute. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. We're in our final segment of the show at the Visual Workplace, and we are rounding up this idea of making something out of your walkabout assessment, the one that we described a couple of weeks ago. What am I seeing? What What does it mean? What am I not seeing? What does it mean? coming up with a way of planning out the next steps of deciding between competing authorities, uh, competing priorities, which one to begin, how to deal with the organizational factors, Mm -hmm. and how to build a facility, a nose for these kinds of things. So just before the break, I was talking about how you might, instead of beginning with operator level, if you're hemorrhaging because of quality issues, you begin with Pokeyoke. Your engineering and quality staff learn how to do Pokeyoke. There's remedial Pokeyoke so that you can correct problems that are coming from the, uh, from the manufacturer, if you will, the actual um, production itself. But you also have preventative Pokeyoke where, where your engineering staff designs out these problems through the various uh, principles of Pokeyoke. I, I, Shigeo Shingo asked me to do Pokeyoke for him in 1988. He said, take my book and turn it into something the West could use. It took me a year, and I really appreciate it. And I call it mastering cause on the attribute level. It's a very, very fine level of visuality, of embedding performance. So you start with Pokeyoke. It's very good to begin there. I'll tell you where I don't start. I've never started with metrics. I want to wait before changing any metrics or the measurement model. I want to let it be, and I'll change other things first that impact those metrics. I'll start impacting the causes of the metric performance. And I rarely, rarely, in fact, I've never begun with executive leadership with Hoshin policy deployment. I need to give the executive greater operational stability before I ask him to move or her to move out of her comfort zone and to start partaking in 
a more a strengthened leadership and a structured leadership. You know, I can't ask them to lead mush. So I got to give them something better. It usually takes about a year. Sometimes it takes three months. But what I will do is give them a war room. I will take their metrics and give them a war room. That will help them. So let me move on. So this question of where to begin is critically important, and it must be answered. Okay? And I restrict myself to what are the four areas Narrow it down to four opportunities here, and I give them a valence, I give them a weight, ten doorways, pick your four, Gwenny. And the recurrent top four doorways are operator-led visuality, visual displays for supervisors, that's doorway number three, doorway number one, doorway number three, pokey oak systems, doorway number six, and doorway number nine, the macro team, visual macro macro team looking for linkages and I want to dwell on that for a moment because if the plant is not capable of a step-by-step improvement protocol just because there's too much chaos or because senior management just doesn't get how to do this or you know they have to the the plant needs to be groomed in a particular way then you will recommend project-based visuality you will recommend Doorway number nine, the visual macro team. You said, let's, let's set up the visual macro team. They're going to be responsible for linkages and they're going to be running projects that are not owned by anyone, but that span the plant so that you're not taking the ownership away from right, from the rightful owners. For example, you're not having the macro team lay down borders, but you might, for example, be looking at shipping and receiving as a project and create a cross-functional team. It's very specific. Okay. So I'm going to give you an illustration of three of these, and I want you to think about, and the questions. The questions are, are different than information deficits. Because as soon as you start dealing with information deficits, you you need to lay down a systematic methodology. But if the plant isn't ready for this, you got to help them. So, so here are three parts: shortages, shipping and receiving, and a machining cell. Actually, it's a winding cell that has pile that had piles of whip and lots of mix-ups. So. Part shortages in this plant was a scourge to every level of the enterprise. Some of the part shortages was purchase parts, but some of it was purchase parts that couldn't be found, and some of them were uh, fabricated parts within the, the, the company. So the team began by ascertaining the current level of part shortages in a in in a specific area, and this was in the winding cell area. And then they contemplated the the roots of that shortage, and they outlined a simple plan of attack. What priority would you give that plan as part of the site's annual improvement drive? How would you resource this? And what part of that outcome would you expect to be visual? This is where you have to be able to see the visual opportunities. And, and number four, in order to get visual, what methods would you use? So you're using methods in a very constrained area. And they began to work on that. 
they were using visuality, but they were solving a bigger problem, part shortages, which cannot be entirely solved through visuality. Of course not. You need to put, need to put systems in place, etc. And the last thing they did was determine how far up the value stream they wanted to take that project. In shipping and receiving, which was part of the causal environment for the part shortages because things would get lost, they began by envisioning, if you will, a future state that would render shipping and receiving visually transparent and visually high-performing. What categories of visual function would be most important to implement and in what order, but just in shipping and receiving. That's different than laying down the visual wear. And it allowed this plant to move across much more fluidly a visual a visual change that wasn't a visual a commitment to a whole visual conversion. So I hope this discussion has been helpful to you. It might be worth listening to it again. There's a lot of richness in it, I think. But my purpose is to help you think widely about assessment and to take responsibility for it, to know that you can do it. You can do it. You can learn how to do it. You can learn how to see what's there, what's not there, and the and understand the implications of that. I wish you such great success in using uh, what we share today. I hope you do use it. Please be in touch. And I look forward to the next time. I really, really uh, uh, hope that you try out some of these things. They can help you. They can help you think better, and they can help you serve your, your companies better. So thank you very much. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.